This project has been initiated to get Muslims to get connected to the Qur'an. Today's event on Pearls of Surah Al-Rahman is the first of the series of the project. Our speaker for the evening, Brother Fahad Sarwani, born in Abu Dhabi, was brought up in Bahrain. He graduated from Ibn Khaldun International School in 1998. He completed his bachelor's and MBA from New York in the United States, followed by a four-year diploma in Islamic Sharia from the Imam Malik Institute in Bahrain. With more than 10 years of experience in business development for Islamic financial institutions, he is currently working as a manager for priority banking in Kuwait Finance House. After being inspired by people like his college friend and teacher, Ustad Naaman Ali Khan, back in his college days in New York, Mother Fahad has decided to dedicate his life to studying and teaching the Quran. He is currently a teacher at Weekend Islamic School, also known as WISE, and is also active in conducting part-time youth development programs for Antafsir studies in English, Urdu, and Arabic. He is also involved in charitable work on global scale with organizations such as the World Muslim Foundation in Geneva and Quran Works, which is an interactive Quran app which aims to help people of all ages and languages to recite, memorize, and understand the Quran. Brother Fahad has recently joined Say One Care as the chairman to oversee current and future projects for the development of youth and society as a whole. Now, without any further restraint, I hand over things to Brother Fahad. Zakalakhi. Alhamdulillah, it's a, it's a pleasure for us all to be here today. You know, this is um, a really special moment uh, for me, especially because, you know, I see people from all different ages, different backgrounds, families coming together to study one of the most beautiful surahs of the Quran. And, you know, thousands of invitations have gone out to so many people across, uh, across Bahrain for this event. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen specifically you to be here today. Out of all of the thousands, you have been chosen to be here today. So that makes you very special. So every single one of you, you should, inshallah, appreciate the fact that Allah has chosen you to be here among thousands. Now, I know the topic of the surah is Surah Al-Rahman, and you know, I've been getting several calls from a lot of friends. Uh, Brother Fahad, this is, you know, it's Surah Al-Rahman, you're supposed to be merciful with people. Why are you making four hours? You're torturing us, four hours of, you know, Quran. Come on, man, give us a break. It's a Saturday, it's a weekend. But, you know, 
The only reason I can explain why we made it four hours is very simply put that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us in two parts. How many parts? How many parts? Two parts. So there's the body and there's the ruh. Okay? Now just like the body needs to be fed, the body has certain needs. It needs to be fed food, it needs to be, you know, um, nutrition with water, it needs to be cleaned, it needs to have hygiene. All of us take showers every day, don't we? Can I see the hands of people who take showers every day? So mashallah, we take care of our bodies so much, right? Similarly, the ruh also has so many needs. The ruh has needs also. What's the, what's the need of the ruh? It is to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the best way we can remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is through the Quran. The best way to remember Allah is through what? Can I hear you? Yeah. The Quran. Okay, and you have to be interacting with me, otherwise, you're going to fall asleep today. Okay, so especially people in the back, I'm already seeing some people fall asleep, like the brother there. Just kidding. Okay. But the idea is you have to um, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the Quran. And you know, just like how sometimes we go to parties and there's a lot of food, there's like a buffet lunch going on. You have the starters, you have the soup, and you have the salads, and then you have the main course, and the dessert. It's like a full meal. Right? Similarly, what we've done today is, inshallah, we're going to give you a full dosage of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that we could satisfy that ruh. So inshallah, all of you are committed to, inshallah, disconnecting from the world outside. All of you switch off your phones. We have, alhamdulillah, babysitting available, so you don't have to worry about kids, you don't have to worry about pampers being changed. Just relax and enjoy kalam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Enjoy the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm not going to be talking much today. The objective of today's session is to connect every one of us with the, word Allah, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the Quran. So it's going to be a very flowing conversation between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and us. It's like a khutbah that Allah is giving us. Literally, that's what the Quran is. Okay, so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put some barakah in this time because it's a long surah and I know we have, you know, a, long, a lot of hours to, to go ahead inshallah to finish the surah. But inshallah with the barakah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we will be able to finish. Don't worry, there will be breaks so you can relax inshallah. There's going to be several breaks inshallah. So before we begin, I wanted to motivate all of us also. The Prophet ﷺ said in a very beautiful hadith, he said, the best among you are those who learn the Quran and teach it. How many of us want to be from the best, inshallah? Can I see a raise of hands? Alhamdulillah. So it's a big honor. Okay? Another beautiful hadith, the Prophet said that whenever a group of people sit together to read and study the Quran, four amazing things happen. How many? Four. Number one. The tranquility and peace will enter the hearts of everyone who's listening to this talk today. Number two, and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enter the hearts of all the people here. Now we all have shortcomings, we have minor sins, some mistakes that we do. Inshallah, by the time you're out of here today, all of your sins will be deleted. Isn't that a good deal? Yes or no? Alhamdulillah. Number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And angels will be chilling with us today in this gathering. In fact, they're already around us. None of us can see them, 
but we have full certainty that there are angels among us this moment listening to this dars with us. And number four, which is best, last, last but best, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remember us by name. He's mentioning every single one of us by name in the gathering up above the heavens. By name, every single one of you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is recalling you by name. Isn't that a big honor? Yes, inshallah. So let us begin with Surah Ar-Rahman. Now there's going to be several pearls that we're going to share with you inshallah today. But before we do that, I wanted to share with you some background on the surah. Okay? Very important for us to understand the background of the surah because then you understand the context. Okay? So all of us know that this is known as the bride of the Quran. The Prophet said Surah Ar-Rahman is the bride of the Quran. And that's why so many of us, it's actually one of our most favorite surahs. Yes or no? Can I see hands of people? MashaAllah. And especially since Ramadan is coming around the corner, a lot of us enjoy to listen to the surah in the taraweeh prayers, especially if the imam's voice is really amazing. Now imagine, inshallah, Ramadan is coming, it's right around the corner. Imagine if you could enjoy the recitation of this beautiful surah and at the same time understand what the surah is about. Wouldn't that be amazing, inshallah? So that's what we're trying to do today. Inshallah, we're going to try to explain what the surah means, what's the overall theme of the surah, how do all the ayat connect with one another. Very important for us to understand how the whole surah comes together in a beautiful uh, form, just like the pearl necklace that you just saw. Okay. Another thing that you know, I wanted to explain before we begin is the background of the style of the surah and the audience. Very important for us to understand this. So, there's three elements to communication. How many? Three. Number one is the contact, content. It's what you want to say, the content, the, the concept you want to get across to people. And then the second concept is style. How do you say it? So to give you an example of this, let's say for example, you know, I'm having lunch at the, at the lunch table, right, with my wife. She's cooked some good food, but she forgot to put some salt there. So I'm going to have a multiple choice styles or ways of responding to this. Option A would be, wow, this is amazing. Can you pass me some salt, please? Option B. This is nice, but you could have added some salt. Option C. <laughs> when are we going to learn how to cook like my mother? Right? And then option number four is, without her even looking, you reach out for the salt and you put it on your, on your food and then be quiet, don't even say anything, which is the best option. Right? So you notice how at the end of the day, I want the salt in my food, but there's different ways of portraying that. Okay? Now similarly, there's the audience. Now the way I explain the surah to 10-year-olds is going to be different than when there's, when there's adults in the room. So similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the audience in a very unique way. Now, who is the audience of this surah? Let's give you some background, okay? So this surah, according to most scholars, was revealed in the latter part of Mecca, okay? Late Meccan period. And we all know that Mecca was how many years? How many years did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi stay in Mecca? 10, 12, 13? 13 years, approximately, okay? So, 13 years the Prophet ﷺ spent in Mecca and most of the time there was a huge denial of this message. A lot of disbelievers of Mecca, the Quraysh, 
they denied this message. Do you guys know this? Yes? And the denial actually happened in stages. So stage one of the denial was, poor guy, he's gone crazy. He thinks he sees angels coming down and, you know, he thinks he's a prophet. Bichara pagal you know? Miskin, mien. That's stage one. Stage two, this guy is a good poet also. He's crazy, but he's also a good poet. Mashallah, nice words are coming out of him. Stage three, he's a magician. Be careful. Don't listen to this man. He will separate between you and your families. Don't even listen to what he has to say. And then, you know, these, these stages of denial kept going further and further until it reached a stage of you better not talk or else we'll kill you and we'll kill all of your Sahaba. But then the, the final stage of the Meccans and the Quraysh people was we will not believe what this Quran says unless we see a miracle. Stop telling us this Quran is a miracle. We don't want to hear anything. We want to see. Show us a visual miracle. And what was the response of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No, no, no. We were not going to be showing you a miracle in the visual format. Why do you think that's so? It's because what happened to the previous nations who saw visual miracles? What happened to the people of... Yes, did they believe? What happened to Bani Israel when they saw the stick turning into a snake? Did all Bani Israel believe? What happened to the people of Bani Israel when they saw the, the sea splitting and people you know, walking through the, the, the splitting of the sea? Did they all believe right away? No. The people of Isa when they saw him speak at a young age, when he was a baby, did they all accept the message of Isa No. And therefore Allah's sunnah is that if, if you see a visual miracle and at the same time you still decide to reject the message, then you are the worst of creation. You are the worst of creation and therefore you deserve the worst forms of punishment. Is that clear? And because the surah's name is Ar-Rahman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy was with the people of Quraysh. Allah did not want to show them visual signs this time. Why? Because He knew that had they been shown vis visual miracles, would they believe? They would not believe. And had they not believed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have to fulfill His sunnah of destroying humanity. Destroying this people of Quraysh. But because the Prophet ﷺ was the final and last messenger, that was not going to happen. And therefore it's the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he did not show them a visual miracle. He kept on saying, the Quran is enough for you, the Quran is enough for you, the Quran is enough for you. You all understand the concept now? Okay? And so there is one ayah that keeps repeating this Quran, in the surah a lot. Anyone knows which ayah? It's repeated 31 times in the surah. And why it's repeated 31 times? It's as if, you know, the people of Quraysh, Quraysh the people who rejected this message, they were very stubborn people. You know, thick-headed people. And with thick-headed people, is it enough to tell them just once what what's needs to be said? Or do you have to say it over and over and over again? It's like a hammer that's being nailed. It's not enough to nail it once, you gotta hit it over and over and over again until that point reaches 
the person you're trying to convey the message to. That's why the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeats this ayah over and over and over again in the Qur'an. Are you all with me so far? Okay, so that's, that's the reason of the repetition. Now, let's break down the overall structure of the surah. Okay, Surah Rahman is split into five sections. Alright, how many sections? Five sections. Section number one is the greatness of the Qur'an. Okay, all of you repeat after me. What's section number one? Greatness of the Qur'an. Section number two talks about the favors of Allah. What's section two? Favors of Allah. Section number three will talk about the criminals who decided to disbelieve, to deny. What's section number three? Criminals. Section number four, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will talk about the believers. The believers. Okay? What's section four? Believers. And section five, which is the last section, will talk about the highest ranks. Okay? The sabiqun, the highest ranks. What's really interesting is the surah that comes right after it, Surah Al-Waqi'ah. It is also split into five sections. And the first section talks about the... Or the last section talks about the greatness of the Qur'an. And the section before the last talks about the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third section talks about criminals. Second section talks about the believers. And the first section talks about the highest ranks, the sabiqun. Subhanallah. Do you, do you guys notice something? It's exactly opposite. It's mirror images of the surah, of the, of the surah before it. Is that a, a coincidence? Is that a coincidence? Do you think it's a coincidence? No, this is part of the miracles of, of the Qur'an. Subhanallah. Okay, so something to appreciate. Another thing that's really interesting to appreciate is how many, ta- how many times is فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ repeated? 31 times. So if you add them up, the first two sections, you add them up, they're eight times. When it comes to criminals, that ayah is mentioned seven times. When you, men- when you talk about the believers, it's mentioned eight times in Jannah. And then when you talk about the highest ranks in Jannah, it's also mentioned eight times. You add these all up, it comes to 31. What's really interesting is that when Allah spoke, spoke about the criminals, He mentioned this ayah seven times. And there are seven doors in the hellfire. And when Allah mentioned the believers and the highest ranks in Jannah, there are eight doors to Jannah. So subhanAllah, you know, there's a, a beautiful uh, also structure in terms of how the, that ayah is distributed throughout the surah. So just some points about the surah. So let's inshallah get right into section number one. Everybody ready inshallah? Alright, Bismillah. So, greatness of the Qur'an. Ar-Rahman. What does this word Ar-Rahman mean? It's one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, we say it in Surah Al-Fatiha all the time, but it's linked with another name of Allah, which is what? Ar-Rahim. We don't say Ar-Rahman alone, we say Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. So what does Ar-Rahman mean? A very brief explanation of this is the extremely and immediately merciful. What does it mean? The extremely and immediately so extremely we all understand let me give an example of extremely okay the other day a friend of mine sent me a whatsapp message of this poor kid in Syria who is dying of thirst he's so thirsty that he had no milk no water nothing to drink and so he ended up drinking milk from a female dog okay now what do you think my reaction was to that photo 
Extreme mercy, right? Extreme mercy, it makes you cry to see that scene. So sad. But then, one hour later, do I still have that feeling? Three hours later, four hours later, halas, I forget. So human beings, we get these extreme mercy feelings, but they don't last long. Okay? They're temporary. Similar to the word Ar-Rahman, which, you know, for those of you who are Arabs here, or understand Arabic, can I see a show of hands who understand Arabic? Okay, mashallah. So Ar-Rahman is on the same, you know, frequency of words like Jaw'an, which means hungry. Now, is hunger something that's continuous or it stops after you eat food? Similarly, Ta'ban, which means tired. Are you always tired or you become fresh sometimes? Yes, so it's temporary, right? Similarly, Rahman is also a temporary mercy, temporary type of mercy. That's why the scholars of Tafsir say, Rahman al-dunya wa Rahim al-akhirah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Rahman with everybody. Whether you're a believer or a disbeliever in this dunya, Allah will be merciful with all of you. But in akhirah, Allah is specifically Rahim with the disbelievers. And notice the word Rahim. It has a sense of continuity to it, right? It's continuous, it's never-ending. For the believers, you're going to have never-ending rahmah and mercy on the Day of Judgment. And you know, another misconception about this word is that some people think that by default, Allah likes to punish people, ma'adullah. And if we ask for forgiveness, then we win the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know how like back in the days, you know, when we used to, I mean, at least I used to watch some wrestling, okay? And what happens to the guy who is about to lose? What does he do? He raises his hand in mercy, right? When he's, when he's about to be defeated, what does he do? He's in so much pain, he raises his hand, mercy, mercy, mercy. And then the guy who's overpowering him lets him go out of pity. That is not how Allah is merciful with us. To explain to you how Allah's mercy works with us, the best example is the womb of the mother, which is known as the rahim in the, word, in the Arabic language. Ar-Rahim. And the womb of the mother is the most protective part of the pregnancy, right? The baby's mashallah is being fed, it's being nutritionized, and you know, even if the baby's kicking and punching the mother in the stomach and causing pain, does that mother ever feel anger towards that baby or is there always love? There's always love, right? So the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is similar to this womb. We are all, imagine that we are all in, the, in this womb which is surrounded by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if someone dies in your family, that is, there is some mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in there. Even if people are dying in earthquakes, there is some mercy in there. Even if you fall sick for a long time, there is a mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that. You get into a car accident, your car gets destroyed, there is mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that. Whether we know it or not. Okay, so that's, you need to understand that's how Allah's mercy works like. Okay, so let's move on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first says, Ar-Rahmanu allama al-Qur'an. So Ar-Rahman is a subject and the predicate of that sentence is, Allama al-Qur'an. He taught the Qur'an. Now let's talk a little bit about the profession of teaching. Right, so, you know, Teaching is very, very different than speaking. Today, I'm speaking to all of you. I'm going to leave. Whether you guys learn something or not, 
I don't know, right? But teaching is different. Where, when it involves students, there's going to be a lot of interaction. There's going to be students who raise their hand and say, Sir, sorry, I don't understand. Can you please repeat that? There's going to be students who are not paying attention. There's going to be people who are going to be, you know, checking their Facebook statuses. There's going to be people who are talking, people who are drawing. Right? Teaching is a very, very difficult profession. It's not like speaking. And when it comes to teaching, there's three elements to teaching. There's the teacher. There's the curriculum that you're teaching. And there is the students, okay? Now, in the case of this surah and the Quran, what's the curriculum? It's the Quran. Who is the teacher? Who is teaching the people of Quraysh about these surahs? It's the Prophet ﷺ. And who taught the Prophet ﷺ? Jibreel ﷺ through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So who is the ultimate teacher? Even this dars that I'm giving you today. I didn't make this stuff up, by the way. This all research stuff that of, of people who are qualified. Because I'm not qualified to, to teach tafsir. You know? I'm just here to remind all of us of the beauty of the surah. I consider myself a reminder. But I learned this from my teacher. My teacher learned it from his teacher. And so on and so forth. Until that teacher studied probably you know, generations ago. Thousands of years ago. They studied it from some sahabi. And that sahabi learned it from one of the Khulafa al-Rashidin. And one of the Khulafa al-Rashidin studied it from the Prophet And the Prophet studied it from Jibreel And Jibreel got it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in essence, what we're learning today is actually being taught to us by who? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Isn't that an honor? And the Prophet kept on doing this for 13 years to the worst students you could ever have. Students who are actually cursing you. Students who are claiming you're crazy. Students who are claiming that you're a magician. Is it easy to teach people like that? Extremely difficult, right? People who are, you know, uh, being disrespectful to you. The Prophet ﷺ had to keep on teaching it over and over and over again. He kept on repeating the same verses. You know, in the Meccan period, 13 years. Teaching sim simple concepts like the, you know, the oneness of Allah, Akhirah, and the, you know, Risala. Simple concept, but he had to keep on repeating it over and over again. Also, it requires a lot of patience. Okay? A lot of patience. Teaching requires a lot of patience. If you don't have patience, you can't be a teacher. And you know, sometimes when your students are messing around with you, right, they could start teasing the teacher and saying, Ustad, we don't understand what you're saying. Can you please repeat it? And then I spend another hour teaching the same concept just to clarify it. After that, I ask the same student, do you get it now? He says, sorry, Ustad, I don't get it. Okay, see me after class. We spend half an hour after class. He says, sorry, Ustad, I still don't get it. Fine. Come over to my house. Let's talk after dinner. He comes to my house after dinner. We spend two hours. Did you get it now? Sorry, Ustad. I'm not getting it. What's going to happen to me eventually? Eventually, I'm going to get annoyed. And I'm going to realize this guy is messing with me. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell him, get lost. Khalas. Enough is enough. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He teaches the Qur'an, He never stops. The Qur'an is an endless guide for all of us. And you know how the kuffar of Quraysh were telling the, the Prophet ﷺ, stop teaching us. Show us something. Show us something. We want to see a sign. Remember? We want to see a sign. So it's very, very different than just sending down the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't say, Ar-Rahman, 
Anzal al-Qur'an. He didn't say that. He didn't say Nazzal al-Qur'an. He said Allam al-Qur'an. To emphasize the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful with us. And he was so merciful with the disbelievers who were so, you know, offensive to the Prophet And when Allah is the teacher, that makes us what? His students. How many of you are willing to be the students of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Wow. And you know, in this dunya, we, we kind of, you know, have this sense of being proud of where we graduate from, which school we graduate from, which college we graduate from, which, under which sheikh I studied, which university of sharia I got my degree from, and so on and so forth. So we tend to, tend to brag about who our teacher is and who, which college they come from. Allah is saying, I am your teacher. Isn't that an honor? To graduate from a school where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching you. Subhanallah. So this is an open invitation to all of us, all these families today. And why did we call upon all the families to come? Because we want the Qur'an to be a connection between us and our families. We need to be studying Qur'an in our, in our homes. Instead of watching Shah Rukh Khan movies, right, on weekends, we should be studying Qur'an together. Okay, because this is, this is the time for us to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the word Qur'an also emphasizes that it's something that you have to read over and over and over and over and over again. Can somebody ever say, Khalas, alhamdulillah, I know the Qur'an. Now I can watch some cricket. Now I can watch some, you know, Pakistani dramas. No. Qur'an is a book that you keep studying until the last day of your life. Until you reach your grave, you can never say, I claim to know all of Qur'an. It's never going to happen. Right? So that's the, that's the beauty of the Qur'an. And the more you read it, the more you understand it. Okay? Qur'an. So, Allama al-Qur'an and then khalaq al-insan. Now, wait a second. Allah is talking about the creation of insan now. Khalaq al-insan meaning he created the insan. Now, logically, what's supposed to come before? Khalaq al-insan and then Allama al-Qur'an. Of course, we need to be created first to be taught. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put khalaq al-insan after Allama al-Qur'an? He's emphasizing on the importance of him teaching the Qur'an. It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the Qur'an ready for us and then He created us. Just like, you know, when you ma manufacture a product, it comes with a product manual, an owner's manual. And to know how to use this thing, what do you have to do? You have to open the manual, right? And read it. If you don't open the manual, it's a very complicated device. Will you understand how to use this device? Similarly, Allah is saying, without the Qur'an, you will not know what your purpose is in this life. The Qur'an is your guide to know what your purpose is in life. And therefore, the Qur'an had to be prepared for you before you're even created. Subhanallah. And the word insan, one of the root meanings of the word insan is nasiya, which means what? To forget. Allah is reminding us that you are going to forget. Don't ever claim to, you know, be someone who remembers Allah all the time without Qur'an. And therefore, to fulfill this weakness of us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the Qur'an. He taught the Qur'an. Because it's human nature for us to be people who forget. And another root word of the word insan is uns. Human beings have this tendency to want to be loved. We have emotional needs. Whether you're a man or a woman, you want to be loved. And so, the Qur'an also is a healing for our emotional needs. Okay? 
So you see how the Quran solved both aspects? It is a reminder for us and a healing for us at the same time. Next, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, عَلَّمَهُ الْبَيَانِ Now it's being specific. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us bayan. Now bayan means the ability to speak and express yourself. What does it mean? The ability to express yourself. Okay, the ability to convey a message, the ability to express yourself, the ability to convince somebody of something. Now, we all know that animals also talk, right? We know from the Quran that um, ants talk, we know that the hudhud talked, and there's so many you know, animals which talk. Is that the same as our, to our speech? No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, bayan. The who here refers to the insan, it's specific. When it came to Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught the Quran to all of humanity, including the jinn. But when it came to bayan, he only made it specific to human beings, okay, insan. Now to understand this more, al-bayan also means to separate. You know how like back in biology class, the teacher would break down the human body into certain parts, right, and organs. And then when you understand how different parts work together, you understand the overall human body. Similarly, all of us, inshallah, how many of you learned, le learned how to read the Quran? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, it all started with you learning alif, ba, ta, tha. Didn't it? And then you started reading word by word, syllable by syllable. And then ayah by ayah, and then surah by surah, juz by juz, until you finish the whole Quran. That is something unique in the word al-bayan. We start from parts by parts, and then we, you know, understand the full picture. Another interesting uh, meaning of bayan, to get, make this example very clear is, let's say there is, la subhanallah, you know, ma'adullah, there is a fire in this building right now. And the, and the alarm goes off, and there is a warning sound. Everybody leave the room right now what are we all going to do we're all going to run outside right very unorganized in a very un unorganized way because you know we're muslims we don't know how to organize ourselves unfortunately but we're all going to run outside the door and imagine there's a cat sitting right there is it going to run with us you think why not it does not understand that speaker voice means nothing to the cat. What does the cat have to see to, to be able to run out of, out of the room? It has to see the fire, it has to smell the fire, right? So cats and animals do not have the ability of bayan. Human beings have that ability. It's a very unique feature of human beings. So going back to the kuffar who claimed that we will only believe when we see. It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them, that's the quality of animals. If you only believe when you see, you're just like an animal. Human beings have been given a higher status. You, you understand with the Quran. The Quran is enough to convince you. The Quran is enough to make you think and to convince you of the purpose of life, inshallah. And bayan also means clarity. Allah subhanahu is saying, He taught us how to clarify things and see with clarity. And so, you know how like Muslims, we respect the Qur'an, all, all of us, right? Um, you know, when somebody's getting married, the Qur'an comes out. When somebody dies, the Qur'an comes out. 
and usually you know we, we package the Quran in nice coverings and we make sure it's somewhere very high in the cupboard so nobody touches it and if it falls down we get a slap in the face right we're very very conscious about respecting the Quran Allah's teaching us here you need to respect the Quran because I taught the Quran similarly because I taught you al-bayan you need to respect your tongues and you know we're living unfortunately in times where people don't respect their tongues right there's so much foul language you know that's uh, spread we make fun of each other we lie we backbite there's gossip and there's namima and you know spreading hatred among one another so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us I taught you al-bayan you better respect your tongue use this tongue to express yourself in meaningful things you know, and that's not just limited to the tongue, it's also to typing. Nowadays we're into typing and texting and writing messages. You know, so you got to be careful what kind of messages you're typing. You know, what kind of forums you're going into, what kind of comments you're putting on videos and what kind of things that you're... And by the way, what's dangerous about the web is once you write the comment, it's there forever. It's like your sadaqa jariya. So if it's a bad comment, that's your sadaqa jariya to, you know to a lot of sins, it's never going to be deleted. So in our times, what you tweet, what you update on your Facebook status, you know, what kind of photos you're putting on your Instagram, you got Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, al-bayan. You have to respect, respect this ability to express yourself. Don't just put anything like that, think about it. It's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the gift of bayan, the ability to express yourself, the best way for you to appreciate this gift is to appreciate the Quran the best best use of your tongue and your ability to speak is to study and teach the Quran that is the most supreme way of you know using this gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is al-bayan next Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says or this is the section of what section number two is Allah's favors okay so we're getting into section number two alhamdulillah we've finished section one Let's hope I don't trip. Let's hope Allah is merciful with me in this talk. Okay. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, fine. You, you kuffar, you, you Quraysh, you want to see miracles? I'll show you miracles. Look up in the sky. The sun and the moon are in perfect calculated orbit. Bihusban comes from the root word hisab, which means to calculate. And you know, all you have to do is just look at the, star, at the sun and the moon to appreciate how perfectly these creation of Allah are orbiting the, the planet and orbiting the universe. Can the sun ever say, Ya Allah, I'm tired today. Can I have five more minutes of sleep? Can the moon ever say, you know, I'm, I have a stomach ache. Can I take a day off today? It's never going to happen. It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put for us Natural reminders, reminders, natural reminders. As soon as we look up at the sun and the moon, we're supposed to remember the importance of time management. Because you know the sun represents, you know our our day, right? The 24 hours in a day rep is represented by the sun, and the moon represents the calendar month and the calendar years. So you know, unfortunately, the ummah is struggling in terms of time management. We're seeing so many people coming late to this lecture, right? And all of us have excuses, right? There's traffic. Had to change some pampers. Had to, you know, uh, clean up the dishes. 
But Allah is saying, next time you forget and you look at the sun, remember how important it is to have time management in your life. And you know, the best way to manage your time is to be able to pray five times a day on time. Especially Salat al-Fajr, which I know is very difficult nowadays, right? With Adhan going off at like 3.30 something, very difficult. So, you know, just like the sun is rising on time, we should be wake, waking up early. Our bodies want to wake up early. Just like the moon arises, it's a reminder for us, time to sleep, guys. Unfortunately, what's happened with us is we, we've reversed this now. You know, we wake up late and then we stay up late. Okay? Very, very bad habits we have. Another meaning of the word husban is coming to destruction. Okay? Coming to destruction. And so it's as if Allah is telling us the sun and the moon are coming to destruction. It's like a ticking time bomb. What's, what's one of the signs of the Day of Judgment? The sun will rise. The sun will rise from where? From the west, which means the system will be disrupted. Okay, so it's another sign of, of the Day of Judgment that once the system is not organized, that's the time when this, this life will be over. That's when Day of Judgment will come. So. Again, when you see the sun and the moon next time, what are you supposed to remember? Time management. Let me hear all of you say that. Time management. Importance of time. Let's value time. Okay. When Najmu was shajaru yasjudan. You want to see some more miracles? Look at the stars. Look at the trees. And you know, for the Arabs, you know, the, the people of Quraysh, they were people who, um, you know, all they saw, all they appreciated was stars at night. You know, they didn't have much entertainment going on in the, in the desert. Right? And so for them, all they did was at night, especially in the desert, for those of you who go to the, to the desert, in desert season, you look up at the sky in the middle of the night, what do you see? You see many stars, right? Whereas if you're in the city, you don't see many stars. So for the, the people of, you know, the, the Arabs back in the days, they appreciated the stars and the, and, the, and the trees because even trees were something rare. Greenery was something rare. That's why, you know, the Quran is filled with the green color. Why? Because it's something that Arabs and Bedouins, they appreciate this color. Right? It's a sign of life in the middle of the desert. It's something really amazing for them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them, even the, the stars are doing sajda. Even the stars are doing sajda. Have you ever seen a shooting star? Some ulama of tafsir claim that you know, shooting stars are a sign of stars doing sajda. And you know the trees, how the branches come down. Trees are doing sajda. And there are actually some trees that are, you know, are actually doing sajda in their structure, subhanAllah. So one najmu wa shajaru yasjudan wa rafa'aha wa al-mizan. Even the skies, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifted them and He established a balance. You know, planets are in orbit, satellites are in orbit, N none of them are, are crashing into one another. Everything is revolving around one another. Perfectly, everything is flowing har with, with perfect harmony. Perfect harmony, subhanAllah. It's as if Allah is telling us, you want to live in harmony in your lives? Look up at the sky. Have you ever seen any wars happening up in the sky? Like birds fighting with one another or I don't know, stars like hitting one another and you don't see that. All you see is peace. But when you look down on earth, what do you see? 
You see wars and bloodshed and corruption and lying and, and divorce and all these issues that we have, right? So Allah is saying, just look at, the, look at the sky. Learn how to live a balanced life. Don't mess up the scales. Don't do injustice. And establish justice in your lives. Live balanced lives. You know, this is one of the tragedies of our times. We are unfortunately living imbalanced lives. And this has messed up, you know, families. It has messed up marriages. It has messed up, you know, children. Why? Because we're imbalanced. I gave you a very simple example of imbalance when someone takes care of his body. You know, he goes to the gym and he has a six pack and he's watching his food, but he's not taking care of his ruh. That's a major imbalance. On the other hand, you know, you have people, mashallah, who are into sports. They're exercising four or five hours a day. They're maintaining their, you know, health. But when it comes to spending time with family, when it comes to spending time with your mother, imbalance. For those of you who are volunteers, you're involved in da'wah work. Sometimes da'wah work can make you imbalanced. How? You could be doing voluntary work where your mother needs you at home. You're not spending enough time with your mother. You're not spending enough time with your kids. So it's such a crucial you know, thing to think about how to balance our lives. And, and to understand there's three elements of balance that we need to pay attention to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has rights upon us. That's number one. And there are rights of ourself upon us. So, you know, maintaining your, your health, making sure that you're taking care of your ruh. These are all things to do with the self. And the third part is rights of others upon you. Your neighbor, your parents, your children, your friends, your colleagues at work, the guy who cleans your car, the waiter, right? people around us, hukuq al-ibad. Okay? So we need to maintain a balance of all these three. And it's not easy. And if you look at the chart, right, it's just an example of different roles that we play in our lives. If you're, if you're scoring in the bare minimum, you're just doing justice. You're doing adl. And if you're in the green areas, mashallah, you're doing excellence. But if you're in the red area, then you're doing dhulm. You're doing injustice. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will ask you about every single one of these roles we're doing injustice. So we need to be careful inshallah, right? And the word mizan in these ayat is repeated three times. Mizan, mizan, mizan. Allah is telling us, don't forget to balance your life. Don't forget to balance your lives. You see how amazing these lessons are for us in the Quran? So let's move on inshallah. Allah is saying, you want to see some more miracles? You've seen the sky? Let's look down at earth now. وَالْأَرْضَ وَضَعَهَا لِلْأَنَامِ and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala established the earth for all sorts of creation. All creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has settled this earth for us. So there are signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even on earth. On this earth, we have the plants and plants give us fruits. And fakiha are certain types of fruits that if you eat, you enjoy it, mashallah. Right, especially nowadays, mashallah. Yesterday we were having a talk about mangoes, right? Mangoes, it's mango season now. You eat mangoes, you feel happy. So subhanAllah, fruits are, are there. It's a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us enjoy. Fakiha in the Arabic language means to enjoy yourself. 
Okay, fakiha. And so, you know how like other animals, they don't have these taste buds. I mean, you, you give a dog anything, it's going to eat it. You give a cat just some milk, it's going to be fine with it. But for human beings, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the gift of enjoying different tastes. Different varieties of tastes and different types of, you know, flavors. That's why when you go to like, you know, ice cream shop, you get 31 different flavors, right? Everyone has a different taste. So we don't just eat fruits for survival. We eat fruits for the beauty of the taste of these fruits. And also, it's nutrition for us, right? So these fruits give us nutrition. At the same time, they smell amazing, right? Have you ever seen a fruit that stinks? No, all of them, mashallah, have a unique smell. And so many, you know, um, perfumes, so many perfumes are inspired by fruits, right? So many perfumes are, uh, like big industries are inspired by fruits. And also, there's beauty in the colors, subhanAllah. Could Allah have made all fruits black and white only? He could have. But since He is a Rahman, He made the fruits in all these different forms of colors and patterns and shapes to make us appreciate the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even in the fruits, subhanAllah. One nakhl. What is a nakhl? A nakhl are the palm trees, the date palms. Okay? And palm trees are one of those trees which, you know, usually when you go on a holiday, right, and you want to decide where you want to go, you go to the travel agent, he shows you pictures of destinations where there's always a palm tree there. Why? Because palm trees are, are a sign of relaxation, it's a sign of, you know, vacation mode and holidays. You see a palm tree, you feel relaxed. Especially in those islands where there's a lot of water and you know, resorts. There's always a palm tree in the background. And even for you know, wealthy people who live in big houses, you always have to see palm trees. Palm trees are by nature made something that's loved to us. Dhatul akmam. Akmam are the sheaths and the coverings of these fruits and these palm trees. It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not only has He given us fruits to eat, He has gift wrapped those fruits for us. Have you ever thought about this? Next time you open up a banana, remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you a gift wrap for this. You open up, you peel up the banana, and mashallah, you enjoy that fruit. Next time you have a pomegranate, appreciate the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a natural gift system that's so beautiful. And you know, Aisha radiallahu anha, one of the most amazing things I learned about her was, you know, when she used to give sadaqah, to the poor people, she would always put it in a nice silk cloth and she would perfume it. And then she would give it to the poor, subhanAllah. This is ihsan in giving sadaqah to the poor. Isn't that amazing? So even for us, when, you, when, you, when someone extra special, right, like your wife or somebody, then you also scent the gift with some perfume, right, to make it more romantic. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His gift wrapping also has beautiful scents in them, subhanAllah. So tomorrow when you're gonna have your mangoes, inshallah, peel off the mangoes, smell the nice peel, and then have the mango. Appreciate Allah's natural gift wrapping. And so many gift wrapping industries are inspired by this natural gift wrapping, subhanAllah. And you know, the gift wrapping of dunya, like about the paper and plastic, if you throw it away, it's harmful for the environment, right? It's, it's harmful, it's, it's not recyclable. Whereas if you throw away a banana peel or an orange peel or whatever, it's actually healthy for the earth, right? The earth actually benefits from this. 
So even the, even the nature of the gift wrapping is healthy. Subhanallah. This is Ar-Rahman. Now Allah is talking about, you know, the grains, the dals, right? For the daisies in the house, right? The dals and all that. The grains and the, all these wheat farms and stalks of, of wheat and grain. Warrayhan is big fields of flowers that have beautiful scents from Riha, you know, Rayhan. Beautiful scents. Have you ever had this feeling of walking through a garden and smelling beautiful flowers? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying there are signs in those for, for you. So many fashion designers. Any fashion designers here? People who are into interior designing fashion? A lot of you are, are actually involved or inspired by fashion through these flowers, right? So the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation inspires us to be creative. Like I said, perfumers, they use, they're inspired by Allah's creation. And fashion designers, interior designers, artists appreciate, you know, um, the designs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're inspired by that, subhanAllah. فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ It's the first time this comes up now. So we need to talk about it because obviously I'm not going to repeat this, the meaning of this 31 times, right? So let's explain it once and inshallah we'll, we'll go faster inshallah going forward. So فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ Briefly means which of the favors of Allah are you going to deny? Which of the signs of Allah are you going to deny? Which of the miracles of Allah are you going to deny? Allah means signs, it means miracles, it means, you know, um, reminders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which of them are you going to deny? And you know, subhanAllah, the opposite of someone who denies the favors of Allah is someone who is thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Denying doesn't only mean you reject Allah, it also means rejecting the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Very important for you to understand this, okay? And so for humans, step one is to realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done so many favors to us. That's why, you know, when we start our salah, what do we say? What do we say in the beginning of our salahs? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Even our salah starts with thanks. It starts with being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's step one. That's like the foundation. That's the beginning of, of Islam. Everything else doesn't matter. Your, you know, the hijab and, you know, um, the way you deal in terms of banking and, and what kind of food you eat. That's later on. Step one is being grateful. Being able to thank somebody. And for someone, so after these ayahs come, comes to us, after these ayahs are recited onto the disbeliever, he's thinking, you're right. I need to be thankful. And then that disbeliever will go on a search. He will go on a journey to search for the truth. And then that should lead them to the ayat of the Quran. So there's two types of ayat. There's ayat that we see all around us. And then there's ayat of the Quran. Step one is seeing the ayat around you and appreciating them. Appreciating that Allah is the Rahman. And then that should lead you to search onto the Quran to see what's the best way of thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's the best way I can thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And that, and that through the Quran you realize the purpose of your life. You realize that you need to pray five times a day at least to be able to, to say thank you Allah. That's how you express your thanks. And you know, this فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ is in dual form. Okay, for those of you who know Arabic. 
It's talking to two groups of people, which for the most part, most scholars are unanimous on this. It's speaking to the jinn and it's speaking to the ints. Okay, so there's jinn and there's ints. Equally, we will be held accountable. You know, people, there will be good jinn, there will be bad jinn, just like there's good human beings and bad human beings. So when you recite this ayah, brothers and sisters, this is what you need to remember. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. You know, we are living in such luxuries in our lives today that, you know what, we have no right to complain. Alhamdulillah, you know, most of us, we have ACs in our houses. You open up the fridge, it's packed with food. You know, you have cars that you're driving with ACs. You, have, you know, open up your wardrobes. Open up your cupboards. How many clothes do you have? For the sisters, how many shoes do you have? Right? How many phones do you have? And we, you know, unfortunately, because we've gotten so used to, you know, accumulating more and more and more and more, we start thinking that we deserve this stuff. I'll give you an example of my daughter, right? She's five years old. And, you know, I used to travel a lot back, uh, you know, in the past, I used to travel a lot. And so there was a habit that she got used to, which is when I'd come back, I'd get her a gift. And the week that I would not get a gift, she would be upset. Baba, where's my gift? Right? She became accustomed to it. And she felt that she deserves it. And so when she doesn't get it, she's ungrateful now, right? This is unfortunately the nature of a lot of our kids today. You buy them one toy at Toys R Us, they still walk out crying. Why? Because you didn't buy them the 999 toys that were remaining in the store. Okay? We keep complaining, unfortunately, about very, very stupid things like, you know, internet is slow. Or the AC is not cool enough. Or, you know, I have a bad hair day. Or no, the food wasn't that nice. It wasn't as nice as it was the last, last time. Right or no? The fruit salad doesn't have mangoes. It has all the other fruits except mangoes. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, stop complaining, start thanking. And in the Arabic language, the opposite of the word shukr, which means thanks, is kufr, by the way. The opposite of, of the word shukr is what? Kufr, which is denial. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to the, the, the farmers in the Quran as kuffar. Why? Because farmers, they take the seed and they bury it in the ground and then they hide it with the soil. Similarly, someone who complains, is similar to like a kafir who has so many blessings but he's hiding them he's blinded he can't see that he has so many blessings he's not being grateful and so remember this brothers and sisters next time you read Surah Al-Fatiha by the way how many times do you read Surah Al-Fatiha every day? at least 17 times a day at least if you're not um, you know reciting or, or reading any more extra sunnah prayers at least 17 times a day you're saying alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen and you know you go to these um, you know seminars and workshops where you know they get some people from the west to give you nice talks you know you pay them so much money to teach you how to be positive and how to be optimistic our deen wants us to be optimistic people and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to remember this at least 17 times a day subhanallah so Allah then says, you're too arrogant to ask now? You're too arrogant to ask, right? The deniers, the people who deny, 
The disbelievers, they're denying these, these blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now puts them in their place. خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ صَلْصَالٍ كَالْفَخَّارِ Allah is putting us in our place. What are you arrogant about? You are created from salsal and this picture shows you what salsal means. It's dried clay, you know, cracked up clay that's like, you know, broken pottery. No, no plants, no life can exist on salsal. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us from this. What's He trying to tell us? What's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trying to tell us from this? What are you arrogant about, right? You are nothing but this piece of clay and dust. You forgot where you came from? What are you being so arrogant about? Why aren't you being thankful? And you know the Prophet ﷺ in a very, very, very like heavy hadith says, لا يدخل الجنة من كان في قلبه مثقال ذرة من كبر He will not enter Jannah whoever has an atom's weight of arrogance in his heart. Now, how big is an atom, brothers and sisters? Is it big or small? Very small, we can't even see it, right? That's how dangerous this, uh, this hadith is. If we have even an atom's weight of arrogance in our hearts, we will not enter Jannah. Because that's the quality of shaitan. Shaitan was ungrateful. He didn't do sajda, he didn't obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah is reminding us, don't be, great, don't be ungrateful. Because ingratitude leads to arrogance. Just like gratitude leads to humility. Our deen is a deen of humility. It's a, it's a deen of being thankful. Not just to Allah. Be thankful to those around you. Be thankful to your parents. Be thankful to your wives. Be thankful to your spouses. Be thankful to the one who serves you on the table. Be thankful to the guy who's washing your car. Be thankful to your colleagues. Man lam nas, lam Whoever does not thank people has not thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the message there. And he, and he says about the jinn, min nar. And the jinn, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them from maraj. Maraj is, is basically, have you ever seen that flame? You see in this picture, there's a blue color to the flame, right? Just under the blue color, there's this invisible flame. That's what maraj is. Okay, so that's al-maraj min nar. So which of the favors of Allah do you deny? And you know, interestingly, the Prophet ﷺ, when he recited this ayah, uh, this surah, Surah Al-Rahman, when he first recited it to the, to the Sahaba, they were all quiet. They didn't say anything. And then after the Prophet ﷺ finished, he told them, what's wrong with you guys? The jinn, when they heard this surah, they were better than you. So the Sahaba are like, really? Why? The Prophet ﷺ told them, whenever they, the jinn heard they responded Oh Allah, we do not deny any of your favors. We thank you Allah. So you know the jinn actually taught us something here. Is that when we read the Quran, we're actually supposed, supposed to react with it. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala poses a question to you, you pause and you answer him back. Okay, so let's make this part of our homework tonight. When, you, when we recite this ayah, say it in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. We don't deny, Ya Allah, we don't deny any of your favors. We thank you, Allah. And, and that's how we're supposed to read the Quran. It's a two-way conversation with us. Whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us something, we should 
answer back. Like in another place in the Quran, Allah says, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِأَحْكَمِ الْحَاكِمِينَ It's a question. You respond with that. Bala, indeed, Ya Allah. And I am a witness to that, Ya Allah. So it's like a two-way conversation, subhanAllah. You really appreciate the Quran then. And then when, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about criminals or about hellfire, you respond to you respond to Allah and say, Ya Allah, please don't make me one of them. Respond to this when you're reciting it. When he talks about Jannah, respond and say, Ya Allah, make me one of them. That's the type of relationship we have to have with the Quran. So alhamdulillah, I think we've, we've uh, covered um, quite a lot. We have a few minutes left. I think let's proceed until uh, there's, a, there's a break in a couple of minutes. We'll give everyone some time to breathe. I know, um, you know, listening to someone talk for such a long time can be a bit, you know, uh, heavy on you. So we'll give you a break, inshallah. I'll take, I think we'll take a break and then we'll, we'll continue, inshallah. There's, uh, I highly recommend you all to wake, uh, stand up and walk around, literally, because you need to get that blood circulating in your, in your uh, bodies and, you know, get a glass of water. I think, are there, is there tea and refreshments outside? Yes, volunteers? So there's tea and refreshments, yes, so you could get, get a, a cup of tea or water, inshallah, we'll be back and we'll continue, inshallah, the discussion on the next three sections of the surah. Jazakumullah khair.